0: Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action.
1: Welcome to the Rising Stars Show. I am Miriam Knight, the publisher of New Consciousness Review. And here on Rising Stars, I will be introducing you to two or three authors on each show, ones that you may not have heard about yet, but who offer intriguing information and inspiration. As you listen to our guests, I hope you find some food for thought about who we really are and all we can become. Our first guest today is Jean Adrian. She is the developer of the Inner Speak breakthrough coaching and therapy process, as well as being an author, radio show host, world traveler, and entrepreneur. Her passion is creating quantum change in her own life, and she loves to share that with others, helping them do the same. Jean has a BA in psychology and completed the four-year education for ministry curriculum at the University of the South. She's published three books, including Soul Adventures, Reframe Your World, Conscious Creation in the New Reality, and her latest book is Power Tools the ultimate owner's manual for personal empowerment. I also know she has two amazing decks of empowerment cards that are great fun. And I'm so pleased to welcome Jean, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you Miriam, it is great to be your guest on Rising Stars.
1: Oh, thank you my dear. It's fun to have you back. Now, your work is really centered around personal empowerment and releasing those blocks from the past that hold people back. When you say the past, how far past does that go and what does that entail? Well, you know, it could be yesterday or it could be 10
2: years ago, or it could be when you were in your mother's womb, or it could be in another lifetime You know, and and a lot of people don't believe in past lives, and that's okay because, quite frankly, I believe it's all happening at the same time. You know, we're multidimensional beings, and we're far more powerful than we know. But you know, when we hang on to stuff, whatever that stuff is, and wherever it came from, those belief systems and and those programs that. We you know we use to get through difficult times don't serve us in the present moment because they're not part of the present moment. That's why we have to let them go.
1: You know that's such a a powerful concept, but it's difficult to wrap one's mind around. Mm. You know this idea. The, the the idea that now is the only moment that we really have to operate in the world is, is easy to understand because what's past is past. What's future hasn't happened yet. So there's no point in worrying about it. Right. But this whole notion of everything is happening kind of simultaneously sort of blows your mind a bit. How well, that's do you because understand it's
2: nonlinear, that? you know. I mean, you can't. Our minds are linear. That's how they work. You know, it's like this step and then this step and then this step. So anytime you get outside of that spectrum, then it's it's impossible to wrap your mind around it. And so you have a couple of choices. You can either just accept that that might be so or you can give yourself a headache by worrying about it. <laughs>
1: I get around it by saying this is my current working hypothesis until proven Mm -hmm. differently. I like that. Yes. Okay. So how easy is it for us to let this stuff go when we're ready? And how do we know we're ready?
2: Well, you know, generally we know we're ready when we actually recognize that we're stuck, Mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of times we'll stay stuck for days, weeks, months, and years without even realizing that there's a different potential out there beside the one I'm living in. And so when you wake up enough to realize you have a choice and that perhaps there are options, that's when you're ready to start letting the stuff go. And once you do that, then, you know, it's just a matter of, of accepting and doing it. Uh, There was an old – did you ever used to watch Bob Newhart back in the 60s? Oh,
1: my goodness. Okay, yes, I will date myself.
2: (laughs) Yeah, okay. So he had a show one time where he had clients come in and, you know, he was a psychologist. And so they would ask him, so how much do you charge? And he said, $5. And so the woman would say, well, okay. And so she would plunk out $5 on his desk and he would let her begin to talk her – diatribe about what was going on in her life that wasn't working for her and he let her go for about a minute or two and then he'd say okay just stop it and of course she would go what (laughs) and and he goes yeah okay uh, and then if she started in again, he goes, That's going to be another $5, <laughs> you know, and this went on for a while and he would let her, you know, go for a minute or two and then just stop it. And that's really what we have to do. Or somebody out there wrote a book called put on your big girl panties and get over it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who that was. Um, and so, you know, we have a choice in every moment of every day, but the reason why, you know, I'm not without clients is because most of us don't realize that or we can't see the forest for the trees. But once somebody can point us in the direction of what you need to do to let it go or to stop it, then you can do that. And I, I guess the reason why I call it empowerment stuff is because I'm not anybody's healer and I'm not anybody's guru. But I'm really good at getting outside the box and showing folks where uh, the bigger picture lies and what they need to do in order to shift out of a situation that is perhaps not for their highest good. Does that make sense?
1: That makes sense. But do you think that one of the reasons that it's so difficult to let go of the story is because that's kind of our definition, our understanding of who we are, and we see ourselves reflected in the story. So in order to get beyond it, we really need to come up with a different version of ourselves. And an empowered version is scary. That's what Marianne Williams said, uh, Williamson said that it's not that uh, we're um, let me see what does she say it's not that we're we're afraid of how powerful we really are, yeah, exactly
2: and because you know in in so many instances, in fact probably in so many lifetimes, we got punished for being powerful, and certainly in this lifetime, as little children, when we tried to explore that bigger world many times we got the big no. And a lot of times that big no felt disempowering. And all we were trying to do was have fun, you know?
1: Yeah. So that really, choice really is the point of power. That's really the only power we have. It's the ability to make our choices in any moment.
2: Yeah. In fact, you know, somebody told me this many years ago when I did not Understand what they were saying at the time, but boy, I sure do get it now. Um, this woman told me that unless I had options, that I wasn't in the right place at the right time, because at at every moment we should be able to clearly see our options.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And I didn't get that, but boy, that is so true. Because you know, if I'm in a place where I think I have no choice, then I'm laboring under some sort of an old program or old story because I always have a choice.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the flip side of the choice is what you do with it. You talk a lot about accountability and responsibility. Why is there so much importance on these today?
2: Well, you know, mostly because we've, we're we growing up as a society, as a culture, and as a as a mass consciousness. We are in a higher level of consciousness and vibrating higher than we ever have in the past. And probably that's because there's so much light coming onto the planet now. But regardless of how you feel about that, we are smarter than we've ever been before. And we we certainly have the ability – to look at life from a higher perspective. Maybe this is because there's so much media bombardment that's making us aware of of the bigger picture all the time. You know, I don't know. Um, There are probably lots of reasons for it. But, you know, in the the past, it was easy for us to believe that we were a victim, you know, that we weren't responsible for... Whatever mm-hmm. came in our lifetime. That, uh, now, the truth is that that was never the truth. I mean, we were, we always were the creators of our reality and we should have always been accountable and responsible for the reality that we were creating. But more and more, now we're beginning to realize that. And it's really become incumbent upon each of us now to own that yeah. and to understand that in every moment of every day, we are creating our reality. And if we don't like what we're creating, we need to stop, change our thoughts, change our beliefs and create something different. You know, the masters throughout all the ages have been trying to make us aware of that. And I think now we're finally getting it. And that's why it's so important.
1: I forget who it was who said that pain in life is a given, but suffering is optional. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Gandhi. <laughs> so, um, but you you talk about the media, which is really creating this climate of fear that we're steeped in. How does fear impact our ability to create what we want?
2: Well, if you believe that that if you create what you want, that it's going to come back and hurt you, mm-hmm. then you won't do it. And you know so what so much of what we see around us um, is this this fear related stuff that causes us to want to hold back um on on everything you know I mean certainly if you watch enough television you're gonna not even want to go out your front door
1: yeah. um, crawl into bed under the covers yeah.
2: exactly or under the bed uh, you know <laughs> um, so uh it, but really, I mean, it, it goes back to to Marianne Williamson again. You know, this whole thing about um, being afraid of how powerful we are. Yeah. What if I create this? And you know, well, there's somebody- and the answer
1: to that is going to have to come after the break. We're going to take a short break. We're speaking with Jean Adrian about empowerment. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Free your mind, expand your soul. Om Times Radio, IOM FM.
1: Hey, ladies, do you want to have that good hair day feeling all the time? Gentlemen, would you want your special someone to have that glow letting you know she's feeling completely satisfied? This feeling and that glow can be yours by embracing your sexual power. So join me, Rachel Kenley, award winning romance author, on the O Spot. The O Spot will guide you to that peak with guest interviews, book discussions, and conversations on the thrills of sexual empowerment. Put the zing back in your life. Come up and see me sometime on The O Spot, live on Hump Day at 10 p.m. Eastern.
0: Simone Millicis would like you to know that business can be fun, which is why she wrote the book, Joy of Business. What if you could have the joy of business rather than the stress and struggle? Most of the time, the only thing stopping you from a thriving business is you. In the Joy of Business book, Simone gives you access consciousness tools and pragmatic ways to get out of your own way and to create the business, life, and living you know is possible and beyond what this reality says is achievable. Business is joy. It's creation. It's generative. It can be the adventure of living you can purchase your copy of the book through amazon or joy of business website www.accessjoyofbusiness.com
1: imagine receiving healing vibration raising energy as you listen to the radio energy that flows effortlessly to you imagine exploring all things metaphysical sharing in an ongoing adventure Join me, Karen Smoot, along with my co-hosts Lisa Victorson and Wendy Weber for Immersion into Source every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here at Ohm Radio.
0: The future of Internet radio is here. Ohm Times Radio, iOM FM.
1: And we are back speaking with Jean Adrian. Jean, before I go any further... What is the website where people can find out more about you and your books?
2: So that would be geneadrian.com, J-E-A-N-A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E.com.
1: Jean Adrian. Oh, that is, um, I, I remember reading your book, Power Tools. It was such fun and, uh, I love that you call it the ultimate owner's manual for personal empowerment. Um, why is it so hard for us, uh, when, when we want something, but you know, we have all of these built in barriers, resistance. How do we get over it? Well,
2: you know, um, there's two sides to that question, I think, that one of the things, one, one of the biggest barriers to receiving the things that we want is wanting them, is yearning for them. Because, you know, I believe that Spirit's answer to every request that we put out to the universe is always yes. But when we keep wanting, you know, well God goes, Yeah, you want that, don't you? Okay, cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what happens is it pushes it away. Uh-huh. It's that neediness, you know. You're perpetuating the state of being in want. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh-huh. So so that's one of the issues, um, in answer to your question. But the other is that so often we feel like we don't deserve for whatever reason. You know, we, we've we've grown up. Um, learning lessons that made us think that we were less than or that we didn't deserve. Um, We inherited a lot of that stuff. And, you know, that's one of those things that it's time for us to get over it Mm. because we, we absolutely are these beautiful sparks of light. We're created in the image of source. We're powerful beyond all belief. And there is not a darn reason why we can't manifest every single thing. That we desire and manifest it, bam, just like that.
1: Well, I certainly hear and read so many books on the subject. I mean, they they pop up like mushrooms after a rain and they do all reinforce the same theme. First of all, you have to have a really clear idea of what you want. I remember the best diet I ever went on in my life. Was called the psychologist's eat anything diet, where you could have anything you want as long as you really, really wanted it. Mm -hmm. And I would stand in front of the cupboard thinking, what do I really, really want? And I could, I could, you know, dry up and blow away by the time I decided what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I, I think that, um, you know, the, the elements that you talk about feeling that we're deserving is very important. Uh, But actually, um, Tuning into our soul's desire to understand what it is that really would make us um, feel fulfilled. And it's not going to be a thing.
2: No, it's nothing outside ourself. And that's yeah. that's the really big gotcha there is that you've got to get to that place where you learn that you have to activate it within yourself. In order for it to begin to appear in the outer world, um, because it, it can't start in the outer world first. And if we think that there is some person, place, or thing out there that's going to fulfill us, mm. you know, then we're just living in delusion.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that there are four tenets around the ability to shift and heal. What are mm. they?
2: Well, my first belief is that uh, in order to achieve this shifting or this healing, you have to ask for it. You got to want it. You got to be clear on what it is you want. And the second piece of that is you have to participate in it. If you expect that there's a magic bullet out there that somebody's going to just, you know, twang their magic twanger froggy and have it happen, uh uh-uh. uh. You have to actually participate in it. You got to do your work. The third piece is that it can only happen at your level of belief. So if you believe that you can shift or heal, then absolutely you will. If you think you can only shift or heal a little bit, well, guess what? It'll only happen a little bit. And if you don't think it can happen at all, it won't happen at all. And then the final piece of that is gratitude. Um, You have to... Get to that place of gratitude and, and thank the universe for the shifting or the healing before you actually really internalize it and own it. You know, there's a, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus healed a bunch of lepers and they all went off their merry way healed. And one of them came back and found Jesus and thanked him. Now, doesn't say this in the Bible, but I believe that if we read between the lines, what we would find is that the rest of those lepers, the ones who didn't come back and say thank you, they probably had a relapse.
1: Mm.
2: And the, that the guy that did come back and give gratitude um, owned his healing. And I think that works for, for all of us. You know, I do a lot of client work. And um, when I'm working with a client, many times, you know, over the course of, of the, the the hour, um, nothing will change. But at the end of the hour, what I walk the client through is a process of, of saying thank you, of filling themselves up with light and love and then giving thanks. And it's usually at that point that they feel that shift and think, Oh my
1: God, something's happened. I feel it. And, you know, I don't think it's that God is going to get pissed off if we're not grateful that, you know, smacking us around because we're ingrates. But when we're in gratitude, then we're internalizing this state of of being or having that we want.
2: Absolutely. You know, it really is all about us. And, um, you know, somebody recently, I, I was seeing something on Facebook and uh, oh, I know, it was Michael Mirdad and it was something he said at the uni- Unity of Sedona and he said, you know, there's only one of us here. <laughs> and the truth is that gratitude is done strictly for me. Forgiveness is done strictly for me. You know, mm-hmm. if you do something that I deem hurts me and, and I withhold forgiveness from you, then I'm not hurting you. You could probably care less. Yeah. And when I do the forgiveness piece, I'm doing it for myself so that I can be free. The same thing with gratitude. It's so that I can actually own the change and own the shift. I'm thankful for it.
1: Such an important point. So tell us about those decks of cards that you created. (laughs) How can they help the listeners on their own journey?
2: Absolutely. Well, uh, the first deck I created is called the Inner Speak Cards. My work is called Inner Speak, and those cards are a very small subset of the, um, the full work, and, um, you, you use the cards to help you find the source of where you set something up that's holding you back in, in any area of your life, and then it walks you through the process of where you created this, what it did to your soul, what the stuck belief is that you need to let go of, what you need to do to clear it. And then after you've cleared it, you get blessings from the angels for doing the work. And, you know, Miriam, my gift to your listeners is I've automated that. It's an actual online website. If they go on to geneadrian.com and sign up for my newsletter, I'll reply back to them with the link to the online version of those cards so that they can use them on their computer um, perfectly free. And if they don't like my newsletter, they can opt out at any time and still keep using those cards. So that's that's one of the decks. And they can also then purchase them either off my website or Amazon um, to actually have the deck, the hard copy deck to play with. The other one has to do with DNA. And um, what I, I was told by my guidance was that at some point in the human species, we had not two strands of DNA, but 144. And that we gave them away. Um, some of them 142 of them to help another civilization that was dying um, and that what we didn't realize when we gave them away was that we were also giving away some of our power our own gifts and abilities our attributes of Christ consciousness so I was given 142 glyphs or pictures that hold the frequency of these latent strands of DNA so that you can look at the picture, meditate on it, and reactivate for yourself your own gifts and abilities. So that's what the second deck is.
1: Oh, that's very nice. So, you know, we're, we're kind of getting to the end of the show. If there was one tip that you would want the listener to take away from our talk today, what would it be?
2: It would be to not take anything personally. You know, Don Miguel Ruiz said it beautifully in his book, The Four Agreements. But when you take something personally, it's one of those choices and you're choosing to internalize a wound. And those are the wounds that block your power, that hold you back from being all you can be. So no matter what happens in your life, just be the witness. Acknowledge it. Give thanks that you were able to see whatever that was and let it go. Don't take anything personally.
1: You know, I I think that the the four agreements, in fact, the five agreements Mm -hmm. are some of the most profound teachings, simple yet profound. I I, I really like the fifth one, too, which is be skeptical, but listen. Listen Mm -hmm. to what other people are really saying underneath it all. And, and use your discernment to distinguish, you know, use your own gut instinct about what is true and what is not true. Absolutely. So you, you, do, um, you do
2: coaching, don't you? I do. I do, yes. And also another gift for your listeners, I offer a free 15-minute consultation with me. It's on the homepage of my website and just click the Start Now button and um, I can get you started on that path to your personal power and to having everything you want.
1: <laughs> so that website again was jeanadrian.com. Jean. Yeah, yeah. jeanadrian.com. So you have both the, the free cards and the, the personal consultation. You are just the most generous person, Jean. Well, you know that's what it
2: it's all about, because when we put it out, it always comes back to us that's the you know
1: one of the universal laws absolutely so Jean, it's been such a thrill to have you with us i'm I'm delighted and um, thank you for all of your gifts
2: and thank you for all you do, Miriam.
1: We have been speaking with Jean Adrian, the author of Power Tools, and all of her cards. Please stay with us. We will be right back with our next guest.
0: Your Conscious Lifestyle on Steroids. OM Times Radio. IOM FM.
1: Hello, I'm Miriam Knight of New Consciousness Review, inviting you to my new show where I interview the rising stars of the Conscious Awakening. We'll explore the many faces of consciousness and action and intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern on The Rising Stars Show. Circle of Hearts Radio is a sanctuary on the airwaves. Join me, Grandmother Elia, in the circle on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, as I share information to both enlighten and nourish
0: your soul. Free your mind with OM Times Radio, IOM FM.
1: And welcome back. We have with us now... Alan Klein. Have you ever heard of a Jolly-tologist? Well, Alan Alan. is the world's one and only. Through his books and his presentations, Alan shows people worldwide how to use humor to deal with everything from traffic jams to tragedies. He's an award-winning professional speaker and the recipient of a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. He's a certified speaking professional from the National Speakers Association, and he got an award from the Toastmasters Communication Group. He is also a member of the Hall of Fame designated by Hunter College of the City University of New York. He is the author of 25 books that have sold over 600,000 copies, and his books include The Healing Power of Humor, The Art of Living Joyfully, and his latest book, You Can't Ruin My Day. Comedian Jerry Lewis once said of Alan that he is a noble and vital force watching over the human condition. Well, what a compliment. Welcome, Alan.
3: Thank you. It's good to be back here.
1: Oh, I'm delighted to have you back, and I look forward to a chuckle or two. Tell me, Alan, what inspired you to write You Can't Ruin My Day?
3: Well, it, um, you know, you pay, you pay attention to what the universe sends mm-hmm. you and things happen. So it's a Saturday morning. I am on my way to the gym. And um, I had just seen the Broadway musical Billy Elliot. So I bought this CD and I'm listening to it in my car and I'm going through a tunnel. And when you enter the tunnel, it's 35 miles an hour. When you get out of the tunnel... It's 25 miles an hour. And I did not pay attention to that sign. And I'm probably doing about 42 miles an hour and being pulled over for a speeding ticket. And I get to the gym and I'm still singing my songs to Billy Elliot. And I'm happy and I'm telling people I just got a speeding ticket. And they're going, how can you be so up about this? You just got a speeding ticket. And out of my mouth, Miriam, came, I am not going to let that policeman or that ticket ruin my day. Mm -hmm. And I realized how often, how many times a day or in our life, we give away our power to other people and other things. And I thought, what a great idea for a book to show people how to take back your power and not let anyone or anything ruin your day.
1: That's interesting because that was kind of the theme of our first interview today about personal empowerment. And you um, have this added layer of humor. Why is the power of humor so healing?
3: Well, w- one of the, if you can find something to chuckle about, In a situation, I don't care what the situation is, if you can find a little bit of humor, uh, even, you know, just a smile, something Mm -hmm. to lift you up, you get a different perspective. You see things differently. Uh, You rise above the situation. You get power over the uh, situation because sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. But if you can laugh about it, you've taken back your power and rise above it.
1: Well, obviously, you're hitting a resonant chord with people because your book, The Healing Power of Humor, is in its 40th printing and in nine different languages. Um, That's a pretty impressive achievement. What inspired you to write that book?
3: Well, that came out of what some people, I guess, would call a tragedy. It started when um, my wife got a terminal illness and we were dealing with that for three years. But she had a great sense of humor. And I remember one incident in the hospital. She had a copy of Playgirl magazine with the male nude centerfold. And she said, Alan, I really like this picture this month. Can you put it on the wall by the bed over there? And I said, Alan, you know, that's a little risque picture for a hospital. And she said, well, maybe you're right. She said, why don't you get a leaf from the plant over there and cover up that part? <laughs> <laughs> And Miriam, I did that for the, you know, and the, for the first day things are fine. For the second day they were fine, but by the third day the leaves start shriveling up, <laughs> and we would look at that and we would laugh. And after she came home to the hospital, we would think about that incident. And realize how, again, it gave us a perspective. It helped us rise above the situation. It wasn't a lot of humor. It was only five or ten seconds of laughter. But it just helped us get a different perspective, a different view of what was happening.
1: Wonderful. Sometimes it's so difficult to see the humor in a situation. Is, Is it a particular quirk of mind that enables you to do that?
3: Well, I think I think it's what it's our attitude, and and what I talk about in the new book, you can't ruin my day, which does have fifty-two what I call wake-up calls or themes of how to take back your power. The main, I guess, if there was one phrase, one sentence that I would get from that book. It would be that nothing, you know, we see that we see everything through our own eyes that the only meaning things have is the meaning we put on that. Mm-hmm. So like um, Viktor Frankl talked about using humor to help him um, cope with being in a concentration camp. Yes, it was a terrible time for him, but again, he found a little humor through his eyes. He found a little humor to help ease that situation. Mm-hmm. So we see everything through our eyes. Nothing has an inherent meaning. It's a meaning that we put on it.
1: Right. Now, you have a remarkable story of how you found your publisher, Viva Editions. Um, can you share that with our listeners?
3: Sure. Well, one actually, one of the um, 52 wake-ups calls is to... The words we use, how powerful they are. And so I had seven books published by Random House, division of Random House, and then they were cutting back, you know, cost cutting, and closed that division, even though the books, which were uplifting, motivational, inspirational quotation books, even though they had sold over 400,000 copies. Um, they closed that division. And so I got the rights back, tried to sell them. I struggled, and another technique is to stop struggling. And I struggled for a year and a half to try to sell those books, and I could not do it. So I put a little sign above my computer. I just let go, another technique, let go. And I let go of trying to sell the book, stopped struggling and put the sign on my computer that said, the perfect publisher will find me. The perfect publisher will find me. And I put that above my computer and I saw that every single moment of the day and did not try to sell the books anymore and just trusted that the perfect publisher would find me. And I went to an author's meeting. And I heard two women saying, you know, we have an incredible publishing company. They're doing very well. They're very successful. And we're starting a new division. And we are looking for uplifting, motivational, and, and uh, inspirational books. <laughs> and I turned <laughs> to them and I said, you know, I have seven of those ready to go. <laughs> and they gave me their business card. and They said, send them to us. And I looked at the card. And the first miracle was that they were about five blocks from where I lived. So the next day I brought them the books and they did publish one of them. And then they got too big for their little office. So they moved to bigger quarters and they had a big party. And I walk in and this woman comes up to me and she said, I don't, uh, you don't know me, but I know you. She said, I own this company I'm really glad we're publishing your books now. And I live in London, so you don't see me around the company a lot. She said, but I know you for about 10 years. And I I looked at her and I go, I don't know you. You know me. How come? And she said, for 10 years, I lived across the street from you and I would watch you walk a dog every single day. Oh, wow. The Perth, the second miracle, the perfect publisher found me
1: so close to home too.
3: Yeah. Amazing. Amazing that that, you know, once I gave up struggling, struggling and I let go and I let kind of the I don't know what it is, but something work you know. Um I believe in a higher power and so that that started to work and once I was struggling, I kind of blocked that. So yeah, that's that's the perfect publisher and I advise my readers, you know, if they want a relationship Um, They want a new job. Whatever it is, just fill in that blank. The perfect whatever will find me and let the universe uh, work, work on your side to help you do that.
1: Do you have any sense or understanding of how the universe actually does that? I mean, what is it in that framing of the words and thoughts that manifests for good or for evil?
3: Well, I think... You know, I, I don't know. I can't prove any of this, Miriam. All I know is that every time I I am positive and, um, you know, part of it's being grateful. I think the more you're grateful, the more great stuff comes into your life. Part of it's forgiveness. So, so you kind of clear the path in a way. That's as best as I can explain it. You clear the path for good to come into to your life. Uh, listeners, you know this, are you
1: this, sensing a theme here? Am I sensing it? <laughs> I'm I'm talking to the listeners because uh. <laughs> this is just being reinforced and reinforced. So Alan, what is your website?
3: Oh my website's really simple. It's my name. So it's w People do need to spell both names correctly because there's various spellings. So it's A L L E N K L E I N dot com.
1: And do you have a new book in the works, Alan?
3: <laughs>
1: I always have a book in the works, Miriam. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, as a writer, once you write one book, as you're writing, all these ideas, at least for me, flood in. So I do have a book about how. Because I believe children are our greatest teachers. Uh-huh. So the book is called um, Secrets Kids Know.
1: Uh huh. And, and, no.
3: adults, and adults ought to learn.
1: Well, that's something to look forward to. Alan, thank you so much for being with us today.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: And stay with us. We'll be back shortly with our final guest of the day.
0: The cutting edge of conscious radio. Om Times Radio. IOM FM.
1: Do you have time to read that inspiring book or that blog post you've been meaning to get to? In your busy world, how do you improve yourself and keep your life going? I'm Lisa Kay, and my Between Heaven and Earth radio show can transform your life just by listening. Be uplifted with inspiring topics, positive stories, and ideas that really work. Between Heaven and Earth Radio is conscious living for your soul. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time.
0: Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of OM Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of OM Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Have you ever wondered how to change your love paradigm? The secret key is finding a love partnership, not just a regular connection. How do you find these? Through conscious relationships. Ascending Hearts Dating is a dating site for people like you that believes in second chances and a different type of spiritual connection. Try Ascending Hearts for free today at ascendinghearts.com and change your love paradigm. Ascending Hearts, the premier dating community for the spiritually awake.
3: Matt Connerton here. Join Jen Coffee and I twice a week for Matt Connerton Unleashed, a political
4: talk show that's a little different than what you're used to. No liberal or conservative agenda here, just an honest dialogue about truth and how things really work in the world of politics. Matt Connerton Unleashed every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Times Radio.
0: Your conscious connection to a more mindful world. Ohm Times Radio. iomfm
1: Welcome back. We have with us now Judah Freed. Judah is an international journalist, author, speaker, educator, media consultant, producer, and communication coach and energy healer. My goodness, Judah, when do you sleep? Sleep. (laughs) He has an upcoming book called Making Global Sense, which is the fruit of 40 years of work. It was inspired by Thomas Paine's book, Common Sense. And Judah's book, Global Sense, offers proof that humanity is at the cultural tipping point for adopting a global sensibility in the 21st century. The book exposes the sources of the most urgent environmental, political, and economic crises, endangering our survival. Welcome, Judah, all the way from Hawaii.
4: Yes, aloha.
1: Aloha. Okay, tell me about what you had in mind when creating this book, Making Global Sense.
4: Well, the book has been in development for a long time. And originally I began writing the book after the 9-11 attacks and was focusing on using Thomas Paine's common sense as a way of talking about how we sacrifice liberty for security and how the only way we're really going to deal with the problems in our world is by awakening to a global sense of our deep, profound, subtle interconnectivity on the planet. Since then, the book has evolved considerably, and what exists today, uh, and the book that I'm now pitching to publishers, is a book called Making Global Sense, which basically lays out three main concepts. One is just the whole notion of the global sensibility, the the new consciousness that's emerging in the world. Uh, Second is the needs... For this and the problems that we have that are being caused by male dominance or alpha male rule and the addiction to men being in charge. And also twisted ideas we have about wealth and power. And then uh, lays out a series of 12 social trends that pretty well prove that the shift in the global consciousness is actually happening today. It's not just pie-in-the-sky, new-age fantasy idealism. It's very real and concrete and actually going on even as we sit here listening now.
1: Oh, I totally agree with you. Certainly, judging from the books that come across my desk, I I feel the shift, a dramatic shift, really, I would say in the past 10 years or so, 10 to 15 years. So, um, you know, a lot of authors um, are writing about this this shift in human consciousness, what is your specific take? Well,
4: I think in terms of specific take, I think is that a lot of what people are talking about, I think is ungrounded and they have a lot of wishful thinking and a lot of fantasy and even magical thinking around it without really understanding that this is not just a spiritual phenomenon that has to take place, although that's the root of it. We have to extend it into politics. We have to extend it into economics. We have to extend it into community activism. We have to take our inner shifts and our personal growth and really extend it into the world in a way that individually and together we collectively make a tremendous difference in the way we go forward.
1: You know, the, the notion of spirituality really, I think, can perhaps best be described by the sense of interconnection. And when you have this sense of interconnection, whether it is with a higher source, you know, a god or, or whatever, or simply with every aspect of our biosphere, with every other human being, with, with the, the, the welfare of the planet – That shifts your thinking from a me first to a sense of responsibility and looking at the consequences of our actions. And I think that is the main shift that seems to be happening on every level today. Is that your take? Pretty much. I would put it in these terms.
4: When we realize we're deeply interconnected, we realize that every single thought, word, feeling, emotion, and deed makes a difference in the world, by design or by default. We're always making a difference with everything that we think, feel, say, and do. And as a consequence, when we see that we're having an impact, it just naturally follows that we start taking responsibility for it because we know that what we do to others, we're doing to ourselves. And so it's enlightened self-interest, if you would. And I think that is what's going to change the way we do economics. I think that's going to change the way we do politics. I think that emergence of a global sensibility or what I just simply call global senses is, is what we're going to change and that's going to produce the outer change is that inner awakening
1: what evidence do you see for this actually happening at this time
4: oh a couple short examples one would be that there's a, a big change in what we call conscious consumers there's a a phrase that's been appearing called Lifestyles of Health and Sustainability. Uh, It also has the acronym of LOHAS. And these are the people that think about how they use their dollars as a vote. They're aware of the planetary influences of what they do, and they're also paying a lot of attention to holistic health and social responsibility. So currently, the research on this from the National Marketing Institute in the USA shows that Approximately 22% of all U.S. adults are low LOHAS consumers. Um, there's also research from the people that wrote the book Conscious Creatives that places this same set of, uh, same cluster of values at around 25 to 26% of the U.S. adult population. There's also, by National Marketing Institute, they say that approximately 24% of all U.S. adults are what they call naturalites. These are people that care more about holistic health or natural health than they do about the environment, but they still have this global sensibility. And so the lights and the low house consumers together represent 46% of the U.S. adult population. But the low house group is really the core population. Worldwide, that's about 16% based on a variety of sources, but that's still much better than it was, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago, where it might have been 5 to 10%.
1: I believe that one of the other things that Paul Ray, who actually coined the term conscious creatives, found in his study was that despite the fact that they represented like 25% of the population, they each thought they were alone. They didn't realize how large a shift in the world attitude was happening and that they have so much company. Do you think that's shifting now? Do you think people are recognizing that this is a movement whose time has come?
4: I believe so. And I think some evidence of that would be a billion plus people that turned out for the World Climate March last year. Uh, Other example would be just a billion people that show up for Earth Day every year. So There's a lot of evidence indicating that people are realizing that they are not acting alone, that that whole notion of being separated and isolated is an illusion or delusion, if you would. And I think we're outgrowing it. And the more conversations like we're having today spread in the world, the more people are realizing that they are connected, that what they do alone is critically important. Yet it's by acting together that we're really going to transform our social systems.
1: Are there some concrete things that people can do that you think would make a real difference in creating this shift into global consciousness?
4: Well, a lot of it is simply the green kind of behavior that we have to do on our own, such as driving an eco-wise vehicle or uh, being aware of your water usage, because there is a growing water crisis around the world. There's going to be wars over water if we don't be careful, if we're not careful. The other thing that I think people need to realize is that they need to do activism in their community. Um, go to a literacy center and volunteer your time. Go to uh, a homeless shelter and help people figure out what they really need to do inside themselves to have their lives work. Uh, take time to read to your children at night. <laughs> There's a, a lot of things that each individual can do. Um if uh, if people are interested, they can go to my website, for example, and uh, click on uh, the link there. It's globalsense.com, and they can click on the link there to uh, subscribe to my e-letter, and they'll get all sorts of resources they can do, plus a little lovely uh, PDF surprise freebie.
1: <laughs> well, it's like Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. You can't just wait for someone else to do it. Quite so. So... Uh, other than going to your website and getting whatever little secret freebie you have, uh, if people want to support your book, you know, possibly even there's a publisher out there who wants to support your book, what can they do now?
4: Well, if, uh, if you are a publisher or you know a publisher. <laughs> uh, Call me. <laughs> well, actually, my agent is uh, Marianne Curinch at uh, the, the Rudy Agency, and she's, uh, I feel really, really blessed to find her and she's got insights into the nature of the book that is more precise than almost anybody I've been blessed to encounter. So she would be the one to contact if you're a publisher. Uh, Meanwhile, um, I have been uh, collecting endorsements for the book from people like Barbara Marks Hubbard and Ocean Robbins and John McKay from, uh, uh, from Whole Foods, and I'm really blessed by that. But if you would like to contribute an endorsement of the book, contact me through globalsense.com and I would be happy to give you a, a free advance review copy. Um, the other thing that people could do is just really just start using the phrase global sense in your daily conversations. Uh, if something makes global sense to you, say so. Uh, start if something doesn't make global sense to you, say that. And start using this phrase in your daily conversation. That will also help spread this awakening that I think needs to take place worldwide.
1: Well, global has the wonderful double connotation of not just relating to the planet, but relating to the bigger picture. So that's a wonderful phrase, making global sense. And I want to thank you very much, Judah. Judah Freed, the author of the book, hopefully to be published soon, Making Global Sense. And Judah, your website again?
4: Is globalsense.com.
1: globalsense.com. Judah, thank you. Blessings to you. It's good to be with you again. And thank you, dear listeners, for being with us today. I'm Miriam Knight, and I invite you to visit New Consciousness Review on ncreview.com, where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. Join us next week to meet more rising stars of the new consciousness. Until then, shine brightly, dear friends. We need your light.